When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Law School of America. Exemptions and Incentives. Taxing jurisdictions provide a wide variety of methods a property owner may use to reduce tax. Nearly all jurisdictions provide a homestead exemption reducing the taxable value, and thus tax, of an individual's home. Many provide additional exemptions for veterans. Taxing jurisdictions may also offer temporary or permanent full or partial exemptions from property taxes, often as an incentive for a particular business to locate its premises within the jurisdiction. Some jurisdictions provide broad exemptions from property taxes for businesses located within certain areas, such as enterprise zones. The largest property tax exemption is the exemption for registered nonprofit organizations. All 50 states fully exempt these organizations from state and local property taxes with a 2009 study estimating the exemptions foregone tax revenues range from $17 to $32 billion per year. Exemptions can be quite substantial. In New York City alone, an independent budget office study found that religious institutions would have been taxed $627 million yearly without such exemptions. All exempt groups avoided paying a combined $13 billion in the fiscal year of 2012, July 1, 2011 to June 30, 2012. Payment. Time and manner of payment of property taxes varies widely. Property taxes in many jurisdictions are due in a single payment by January 1. Many jurisdictions provide for payment in multiple installments. In some jurisdictions, the first installment payment is based on prior year tax. Payment is generally required by cash or check delivered or mailed to the taxing jurisdiction. Liens and seizures. Property taxes generally attach to the property, that is, they become an encumbrance on the property which the current and future owners must satisfy. This attachment, or lien, generally happens automatically without further action of the taxing authority. The lien generally is removed automatically upon payment of the tax. If the tax is not paid within a specified period of time, including additional interest, penalties and costs, a tax sale is held, which may result in either 1. the actual sale of a property or 2. a lien sold to a third party, who, after another specified period of time, may take action to claim the property, or force a later sale to redeem the lien. Attachment Date The tax lien attaches to the property at a specific date, generally the date the tax liability becomes enforceable. This date, known as the attachment date, varies by state, and in some states by local jurisdiction. Delinquency. Where the property owner does not pay tax by the due date, the taxing authority may assess penalties and interest. The amount, timing, and procedures vary widely. Generally, the penalty and interest are enforceable in the same manner as the tax, and attached to the property. Seizure and sale. Where the property owner fails to pay tax, the taxing authority may act to enforce its lien. Enforcement procedures vary by state. In some states, the lien may be sold by the taxing authority to a third party, who can then attempt collection. In most states, the taxing authority can seize the property and offer it for sale, generally at a public auction. In some states, rights acquired in such sales may be limited. Tax administrations. 
Property taxes are generally administered separately by each jurisdiction imposing property tax, though some jurisdictions may share a common property tax administration. Often the administration of the taxes is conducted from the taxing jurisdiction's administrative offices, for example, town hall. The form and organization vary widely. Assessors. Most taxing jurisdictions refer to the official charged with determining property values, assessing, and collecting property taxes as assessors. Assessors may be elected, appointed, hired, or contracted, depending on rules within the jurisdiction, which may vary within a state. Assessors may or not be involved in collection of tax. The tax assessors in some states are required to pass certain certification examinations and or have a certain minimum level of property valuation experience. Larger jurisdictions employ full-time personnel in the tax assessor's office, while small jurisdictions may engage only one part-time person for the entire tax assessor function. Constitutional limitations. Property taxes, like all taxes in the United States, are subject to constraints under the United States and applicable state constitutions. The United States Constitution contains three relevant provisions, limits on federal direct taxation, an equal protection rule, and the privileges and immunities provisions. Nearly all state constitutions impose uniformity and equality rules. Most state constitutions also impose other restrictions, which vary widely. The federal government is generally prohibited from imposing direct taxes unless such taxes are then given to the states in proportion to population. Thus, ad valorem property taxes have not been imposed at the federal level. The states must grant residents of other states equal protections as taxpayers. Uniformity and Equality State constitutions constrain taxing authorities within the state, including local governments. Typically, these constitutions require that property taxes be uniformly or equally assessed. While many states allow differing rates of taxation among tax jurisdictions, most prohibit the same jurisdiction from applying different rates to different taxpayers. These provisions have generally been interpreted to mean the method of valuation and assessment must be consistent from one local government to another. Some state courts have held that this uniformity and equality requirement does not prevent granting individualized tax credits, such as exemptions and incentives. Some states permit different classes of property, as opposed to different classes of taxpayers, to be valued using different assessment ratios. In many states the uniformity and equality provisions apply only to property taxes, leading to significant classification problems. History Property taxes in the United States originated during colonial times. By 1796, state and local governments in 14 of the 15 states taxed land, but only four taxed inventory, stock and trade. Delaware did not tax property, but rather the income from it. In some states, all property, with a few exceptions, was taxed, in others, specific objects were named. Land was taxed in one state according to quantity, in another according to quality, and in a third not at all. Responsibility for the assessment and collection of taxes in some cases attached to the state itself, in others, to the counties or townships. Vermont and North Carolina taxed land based on quantity, while New York and Rhode Island taxed land based on value. Connecticut taxed land based on type of use. Procedures varied widely. During the period from 1796 until the Civil War, a unifying principle developed, the taxation of all property, movable and immovable, visible and invisible, or real and personal, as we say in America, at one uniform rate. During this period, property taxes came to be assessed based on value. 
This was introduced as a requirement in many state constitutions. After the Civil War, intangible property, including corporate stock, took on far greater importance. Taxing jurisdictions found it difficult to find and tax this sort of property. This trend led to the introduction of alternatives to the property tax, such as income and sales taxes, at the state level. Property taxes remained a major source of government revenue below the state level. Hard times during the Great Depression led to high delinquency rates and reduced property tax revenues. Also during the 1900s, many jurisdictions began exempting certain property from taxes. Many jurisdictions exempted homes of war veterans. After World War II, some states replaced exemptions with circuit breaker provisions limiting increases in value for residences. Various economic factors have led to taxpayer initiatives in various states to limit property tax. California Proposition 13, 1978, amended the California Constitution to limit aggregate property taxes to 1% of the full cash value of such property. It also limited the increase in assessed value of real property to an inflation factor that was limited to 2% per year. Policy Issues There are numerous policy issues regarding property tax, including fairness, or lack thereof, progressivity, or lack thereof, administrability-slash-socialist redistribution of taxpayer funds, and allodial title versus true ownership of property. In spite of these issues, many aspects of the property tax, and the reliance of local governments on it as a principal source of revenue, have remained much the same since colonial times. Opinions on property tax. Sprawl. In the absence of urban planning policies, property tax on real estate changes the incentives for developing land, which in turn affects land use patterns. One of the main concerns is whether or not it encourages urban sprawl. The market value of undeveloped real estate reflects a property's current use as well as its development potential. As a city expands, relatively cheap and undeveloped lands, such as farms, ranches, private conservation parks, etc., increase in value as neighboring areas are developed into retail, industrial, or residential units. This raises the land value, which increases the property tax that must be paid on agricultural land, but does not increase the amount of revenue per land area available to the owner. This, along with a higher sale price, increases the incentive to rent or sell agricultural land to developers. On the other hand, a property owner who develops a parcel must thereafter pay a higher tax, based on the value of the improvements. This makes the development less attractive than it would otherwise be. Overall, these effects result in lower density development, which tends to increase sprawl. Attempts to reduce the impact of property taxes on sprawl include Land value taxation, this method separates the value of a given property into its actual components, land value and improvement value. A gradually lower and lower tax is levied on the improvement value and a higher tax is levied on the land value to ensure revenue neutrality. A similar method is known as split-rate taxation. Current use valuation, this method assesses the value of a given property based only upon its current use. Much like land value taxation, this reduces the effect of city encroachment. Conservation easements, the property owner adds a restriction to the property prohibiting future development. This effectively removes the development potential as a factor in the property taxes. Exemptions, exempting favored classes of real estate, such as farms, ranches, cemeteries or private conservation parks, from the property tax altogether or assessing their value at a minimal amount, for example, $1 per acre. Forcing higher density housing, 
In the Portland, Oregon area, for example, local municipalities are often forced to accept higher density housing with small lot sizes. This is governed by a multi-county development control board in Portland's case Metro. Urban Growth Boundary or Green Belt, government declares some land undevelopable until a date in the future. This forces regional development back into the urban core, increasing density but also land and housing prices. It may also cause development to skip over the restricted use zone, to occur in more distant areas, or to move to other cities. Distributional Property tax has been shown to be regressive, that is, to fall disproportionately on those of lower income, under certain circumstances, because of its impact on particular low-income-slash-high-asset groups such as pensioners and farmers. Because these persons have high assets accumulated over time, they have a high property tax liability, although their realized income is low. Therefore, a larger proportion of their income goes to paying the tax. In areas with speculative land appreciation, such as California in the 1970s and 2000s, there may be little or no relationship between property taxes and a homeowner's ability to pay them short of selling the property. This issue was a common argument used by supporters of such measures as California Proposition 13 or Oregon Ballot Measure 5. Some economists have even called for the abolition of property taxes altogether, to be replaced by income taxes, consumption taxes such as Europe's VAT, or a combination of both. Others, however, have argued that property taxes are broadly progressive, since people of higher incomes are disproportionately likely to own more valuable property. In addition, while nearly all households have some income, nearly a third of households own no real estate. Moreover, the most valuable properties are owned by corporations, not individuals. Hence, property is more unevenly distributed than income. It has been suggested that these two beliefs are not incompatible, it is possible for a tax to be progressive in general but to be regressive in relation to minority groups. However, although not direct and not likely one-to-one, property renters can be subject to property taxes as well. If the tax reduces the supply of housing units, then it will increase the rental price. In this way, the owner's cost of taxation is passed on to the renter, occupant. Progressive Policies As property increases in value the possibility exists that new buyers might pay taxes on outdated values thus placing an unfair burden on the rest of the property owners. To correct this imbalance municipalities periodically revalue property. Revaluation produces an up-to-date value to be used in determination of the tax rate necessary to produce the required tax levy. A consequence of this is that existing owners are reassessed as well as new owners and thus are required to pay taxes on property the value of which is determined by market forces, such as gentrification in low-income areas of a city. In an effort to relieve the frequently large tax burdens on existing owners, particularly those with fixed incomes such as the elderly and those who have lost their jobs, communities have introduced exemptions. In some states, laws provide for exemptions, typically called homestead exemptions, and or limits on the percentage increase in tax, which limit the yearly increase in property tax so that owner-occupants are not taxed out of their homes. Generally, these exemptions and ceilings are available only to property owners who use their property as their principal residence. Homestead exemptions generally cannot be claimed on investment properties and second homes. When a homesteaded property changes ownership, The property tax often rises sharply and the property sale price may become the basis for new exemptions and limits available to the new owner-occupant. 
Homestead exemptions increase the complexity of property tax collection and sometimes provide an easy opportunity for people who own several properties to benefit from tax credits to which they are not entitled. Since there is no national database that links home ownership with social security numbers, landlords sometimes gain homestead tax credits by claiming multiple properties in different states, and even their own state, as their principal residence, while only one property is truly their residence. In 2005, several U.S. senators and congressmen were found to have erroneously claimed second homes in the greater Washington, D.C. area as their principal residences, giving them property tax credits to which they were not entitled. Undeserved homestead exemption credits became so ubiquitous in the state of Maryland that a law was passed in the 2007 legislative session to require validation of principal residence status through the use of a social security number matching system. The bill passed unanimously in the Maryland House of Delegates and Senate and was signed into law by the governor. The fairness of property tax collection and distribution is a hotly debated topic. Some people feel school systems would be more uniform if the taxes were collected and distributed at a state level, thereby equalizing the funding of school districts. Others are reluctant to have a higher level of government determine the rates and allocations, preferring to leave the decisions to government levels closer to the people. In Rhode Island efforts are being made to modify revaluation practices to preserve the major benefit of property taxation, the reliability of tax revenue, while providing for what some view as a correction of the unfair distribution of tax burdens on existing owners of property. The Supreme Court has held that Congress can directly tax land ownership so long as the tax is apportioned among the states based upon representation population. In an apportioned land tax, each state would have its own rate of taxation sufficient to raise its pro-rata share of the total revenue to be financed by a land tax. So, for example, if state A has 5% of the population, state A would collect and remit to the federal government such tax revenue that equals 5% of the revenue sought. Such an apportioned tax on land had been used on many occasions up through the Civil War. Indirect taxes on the transfer of land are permitted without apportionment. In the past, this has taken the form of requiring revenue stamps to be affixed to deeds and mortgages, but these are no longer required by federal law. Under the Internal Revenue Code, the government realizes a substantial amount of revenue from income taxes on capital gains from the sale of land, and in estate taxes from the passage of property, including land, upon the death of its owner. Milton Friedman noted that a property tax is one of the least bad taxes, because it's levied on something that cannot be produced, that part that is levied on the land. A 2008 analysis from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development was consistent with Friedman's opinion, examining the effect of various types of taxes on economic growth. It found that property taxes seem to be the most growth-friendly, followed by consumption taxes and then by personal income taxes. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America